Well, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Good to see all of you here this evening. We are in the book of Exodus. As most of you know, uh, on Wednesday nights what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse, keeping it all in context. We are in now just in, in the book of Exodus, Moses... Well, let's back up here a little bit. What we have so far, we saw the book of Genesis is about the beginnings. All of it really trying to show where the Jewish nation came from. That was really the whole point. Otherwise, the Bible doesn't make sense. Who are these people? Where did this, how did this all happen? And we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the main patriarchs of the Jewish faith. Uh, Jacob, whose name gets changed to Israel, has 12 sons. There's where you get the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, the Jewish people all come from this. Now, as we were reading through Genesis, you'll remember these... These people were receiving promises from God and God was giving them new direction and making promises that, hey, this land I'm going to give to you someday. All this land, wherever you're stepping, is all going to be yours. So he made all these great promises to them. Um, they were, by and large, kind of dysfunctional wackos in some sense. I mean, as, as, we were, as we're reading the thing, might remind you of your parents, but they, they were all kind of strange, weird kind of people and they're like, you know these many wives and they're fighting over this that and the other and one brother's lying to the other and I was just ugh what a mess anyway it all comes out of this and uh, so they finally uh, end up in Egypt okay because the youngest son Joseph uh, winds up is he the youngest second youngest whatever winds up in, in Egypt and then all the guys wind up in Egypt so everybody, everybody's there and now they're stuck there for like 430 years whatever 40 whatever the number is uh, in slavery. Now you have to understand, at this point, they don't really know a whole lot. All they know is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob made all these cool promises. And that there is this God in heaven. He's not something that we look at with our hands and or we make images and we don't bow down and, you know, they've got the basic rules down. But they don't really know much of anything. There's nothing that's really big time in place for them. And then, of course, 430 years or whatever it is, they're slaves in Egypt, miserable. Finally, God sends a deliverer. Moses comes, says, let my people go. Serious butt-kicking goes on in Egypt. God sent one plague after another until finally the Pharaoh relents. He didn't want to let him go. These guys were making a lot of money off of this nation of, of, uh, of slaves that built the pyramids and all this other kind of stuff. So he finally relented. God brings them out in glorious fashion. You know, you and I paid big money to see what these people saw. This was amazing. I mean, he, 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 you know, they'd wake up in the morning, food was laying on the ground, you know, and manna, and God took care of them, and, you know, a big cloud would lead them where they're supposed to go during the day and turn into a pillar of fire at night, and, you know, just truly, truly amazing provisions. They get really thirsty, and all of a sudden God would make water come out of nowhere. It's very, very cool stuff. Now, God gets them all out there in the middle of nowhere. They're, they're in the desert. They're just out there nowhere. Now, God is trying to create of, of this people really a new nation, a people that really would think, act, process life differently than any other nation in the world. He gives them the Ten Commandments, but that's just the get-go. When we talk about the law of Moses, we're not talking the Ten Commandments. There's like a gazillion commandments that touches everything under the sun. We're going to be reading some of them. Some of them will make you gross. But uh, it, it, it's amazing. They had laws and rules about everything under the sun. It was really rigid. The punishments 
were extreme. You know, uh, if you worked on Saturday, the Sabbath, okay, it wasn't like you got a fine. They would kill you. Pretty high motivator not to work, right? I mean, if you curse and use God's name in vain, they would kill you. All kinds of killing going on around here. Now you think, why in the world was God so strict? He's trying to knock, jerk the slack out of these people. These people had been affected by this poisonous world of sin. You know, Adam and Eve fallen, and then, you know, uh, it got so bad that he had to flood the whole thing out and start over again with uh, Noah and his family. It was constant, just constant mess. Extremely violent, wicked cultures in which they live, which we're going to eventually point out here. Assuming I shut up and start reading. But uh, um, all of this stuff that he brought him out and just really set down strict laws. We are going to behave this way. You don't behave this way, you're going to pay the price. And boom. So they, they set all this in, in place. As we just read, Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments. He's gone for 40 days. By the time he comes back, they're dancing naked around a cow. Worshiping the cow. Saying, oh, the cow, the cow, let's praise God for the cow, you know. They're worshiping a stupid cow. Moses comes out, he's furious, he busts the Ten Commandments, you know, kills a bunch of them in, in anger and, and, and whatever, and, and, and pulls them around. And now he's gone back up and he's getting more commandments from God. That's where we write. He, he made a new uh, tablets. God told him, come back up, get some other tablets, we'll keep going. And, and there we are. So, we're going to pick it up at. Uh, Chapter 34, uh, verse 29. So, so Moses is up there. So when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, now this is version 2, you know, there was no cow dancing this time. You know, they learned their lesson. Uh, he comes down with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. This time, he'd been in the presence of God for so long that his face just glowed like a you know, seriously bright bulb. They're going, whoa, what is that? And it kind of freaked people out. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. It was a little creepy. You know, somebody walks in and all this light coming out of their face. That would unnerve you a bit. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him. Still, I'm sure, freaked out, but they came and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near to him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. But this, again, remember, this is more than the Ten Commandments. We skipped over all kinds of commands. We're about to skip over big chunks of commands here. You can read them on your own time. But uh, there's all kinds of stuff here. So when Moses had finished speaking to them, he had to put a veil over his face because they couldn't stand to look at him. I mean, it was just, you know, walking light bulb. Uh, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. So he'd go in, he'd talk to God, pray. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. When I say pray, different prayer than we had. I mean, he literally sat and communicated with God. Now, he didn't actually see God physically, but at some level he was talking to God, as we'll see later, face to face. I mean, this is, he had quite the relationship with the Almighty. Uh, and whenever he uh, would do that, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Okay, now we got more rules. This whole thing, this big, this first five books of the Bible, pretty much, I mean, the first one is just kind of how we got there, but starting here and then the next one's rules, 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 rules. We got rules about the Sabbath. We got materials that they want to use to build the tabernacle. Remember, he's trying to set up 
a new nation of people. He brings them into the desert. He's going to set up a new way of doing life in, in a really short amount of time. This all happens very quickly. And then the plan is to go into the land of Canaan and kick butt and take over. And therefore fulfill the promise you know, of the promised land. I promise you get this. That's why it's called the promised land. He promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's the plan. So anyway, so he's getting them all set and they're getting ready to build this tabernacle. God gives them much details on how to do it. You can read it yourself. Um, at verse 30 of chapter 35, <clears throat> kind of a neat little thing here. I just wanted to point out to you because uh, he's talking about, you know, people who are going to build all this stuff and make this tabernacle and all the stuff for worship. It says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Now, when we talk about that, usually when we think in terms of Spirit of God, we're thinking preachers, prophets, prophesying, doing great things and theology and stuff. But I wanted to point this out to you because I want you to see, he was filled with the Spirit of God, not to do any of that, but he was filled with the Spirit of God with skill, ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze to cut and set stones uh, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship and he goes on and on and here talking about how God had anointed these guys with the spirit of God to be incredible builders and workers I just wanted to point that out just to let you know when God moves and anoints your life, He can bless you in lots of different ways and gives you all kinds of different gifts He can use for His kingdom. It doesn't always have to be a guy like me preaching or some big position in the church that everybody sees. Man, it can be building, it can be working with your hands, it can be sewing, it can be whatever kind of creative arts. That's, it's more than just your skill where God actually anoints you to become better than you've ever been before. Where you can do better than you've ever done before. God's anointing can fall on you to do some of the most basic things that when you're done, people go, Ho Chi Mama, check this out. And even some, you know, people who've experienced will go, wow, that, that really came out good. You know, what was that? That was the anointing of God on you. God can anoint you. Let God use you however he wants to use you. And just keep in mind, it doesn't always have to be preaching or teaching or some big you know, theological thing. God can anoint you even with the most basic of skills to serve his kingdom and to build us. And quite frankly, you only need so many preachers at any given time. What we need is a lot more of the others. People who are really anointed to do what they do. I mean, and, and you can sense it in people. You know, there's some people that, you know, they, they work with, they sit with the little, uh, you know, toddlers down there. And they so connect with those kids. And it's amazing to watch them. And it's like, wow, isn't that amazing? If, if you watch them, and, and, and what I see is the spirit of God on them. God has anointed them to sit with little snotty-nosed little rats, you know. Uh, and I love them. I got three of them. Uh, uh, grandkids. It's wonderful. And, and, and those kids can sense that. And God can use you and anoint you. The Spirit of God can come down and empower you to do some of the most simplistic tasks, but do it extraordinarily well. Why? Because God takes the natural and He breathes life, breathes life into it and becomes supernatural. We need to be living supernatural lives. That doesn't mean floating around on clouds, haunting people. It means doing natural things in a super way. Does that make sense to you? 
What God anoints you and blesses you with your skills. So, anyway, file that away. Very cool stuff. Okay, so then he goes on, more rules about the tabernacle and exactly what you have to do and the Ark of the Covenant, how that's supposed to look and how to deal with that, how many cubics, by this cubics, by this size. I mean, there, all the details are there. The table that they're supposed to use, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the burnt offerings, uh, the... Uh, the courtyard where they had to do the materials that were used, the garments that were supposed to be there, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all this ends uh, Exodus. At the, at the end, um, verse 34 of chapter 40, sorry, lady back there jumping around. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God comes down in this cloud and you know, the glory of God is woo, very, very cool stuff. All right, now we're going to continue. Leviticus. Don't panic. We're not going to read all of it. Uh, if, you, if you've ever read this, if you're having a hard time sleeping, go home, read Leviticus. All right? This will take care of you. Uh, all kinds of rules about this, that, and the other. They have the, they got rules about everything, what you can do, what you can't do. There's, there's, there's this weird rule. I, I can't even remember, so I'm skipping through here. I was reading where, you know, they got a rule that if, this is in the Bible, that if a, Two guys are fighting and one of the wives jumps in to help her husband and grabs the other guys by his cojones. You're supposed to cut off her hand. Now wait a minute. There's that much cojones grabbing that you need a rule against it in the Bible? I'm telling you, these people had rules about everything. You know, I'd be nervous to walk around that crowd. I'm telling you that right now. Just, how you doing? How you doing? Good to see you. I'd shake your hand, but I'm afraid to expose myself here. All right, so now then, then the priests and all the stuff, all the rules here. So we're at chapter 10 now. And, and this is just after uh, God, you know, talking to Moses about the priests and Aaron and his sons. And they're going to serve as priests and da-da-da before God. So then, chapter 10, verse 1. So Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, uh, I think he's got four sons, maybe more, I don't know. But uh, um, two of them are now in the role of, of priests. And they took their censers and they put fire in them and added incense. But they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. In other words, they didn't do it right. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and toasted them. Ow. Man, I wouldn't want to be a priest after that. I'm telling you. I ain't going in there. And they died before the Lord. And Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke when, of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. Don't mess with me, is what God is saying. And Aaron remained silent. You know, I'm sure he was traumatized. His two sons just got toasted. But I mean, it's like, don't mess with God. I mean, God is making some serious statements. He is saying, you had better take this seriously. I am a holy God. I'm not your buddy. I'm not your pal. I love you. I don't know why he does. But I'm God. Okay? And we really start understanding how holy God is and how unholy we are. Boy, it's quite the eye-opener. And, and he's being very, very serious with these people. So, uh, so it goes on. What food is clean? What food is unclean? We've got uh, what to do after you give birth, which is, I don't worry about too much because I don't give birth. Uh, 
regular now this is kind of interesting now we get they get into all kinds of rules about skin diseases and uh, you know mildew rules and 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 other diseases and how to cleanse from the mildew and and what you know if you've got discharges coming out of your body infections and stuff now you have to think about this now right this is what four or five thousand years ago this is a long time ago this is way before madame curie or anybody figuring out anything about modern science and about diseases and stuff people in the middle ages would have done well to at least take a look at some of this stuff because that's why these plagues and stuff would go rampant through these cities there was no sanitation and stuff like that god made these people so stinking clean I mean, they had rules, man. If you had a runny owie, ah, I mean, there were rules about what to do with you. This was serious, serious business. And what he did is he created a nation of people that were extremely healthy, quite frankly. Okay? Now, I'm not arguing to go back to all this stuff, but I'm just saying, you know, they, they, they were talking about stuff that until just in the, you talk about the history of mankind, just really just in the few last couple of hundred years, really made no sense. Makes sense now when you understand cleanliness and, and, and all that kind of stuff uh, very very bizarre stuff then there's other stuff okay <laughs> I don't want to gross you out but I got to show this to you because I want to and uh, but but to give you a little bit of, of the, the kind of stuff we're talking about okay, now he starts there's rules about everything we got any really young kids in here I hope to, anyway, wave, wave at me okay I, Plug their ears for a second or whatever, okay? If you don't want them to hear stuff, but this is literally talking about when, I'm trying to use a phrase that you all will get without saying it in front of these kids, but when a man at night all of a sudden, yeehaw, and he doesn't know why, okay? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you following me, okay? You're good there. You can deal with that later. All right, now. <laughs> so there's rules about that. Which button? No, I can't get into it because there's younger kids here. You guys should be back there. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so here's the rule when a man has an omission okay he must bathe his whole body with water and he will be unclean until evening any clothing or leather that has it on it must be washed with water and it will be unclean till evening when a man lies with a woman if there's these omissions both must bathe in water I mean there are details like crazy when a woman has her regular flow of blood the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days anyone who touches her will be unclean till evening anything she lies on during her period will be unclean anything she sits on will be unclean whoever touches her bed must wash this I'm telling you this is like holy stinking cow Anything touched with anything that has to do with anything, you gotta wash and clean and purify and stuff. By the way, I will go back to this other one. <laughs> this you guys deal with your own problems. This is an adult service. This whole culture today that says that men have to masturbate. Your teenagers have to, or they'll back up and explode. They gotta do it. They gotta do it. It's a bunch of horse manure. Alright? So what would they do? This is what happens when you don't do that. God has always had a release valve to take care of these problems. Are you hearing me? And it's interesting because we've been telling our kids and it's been destroying this culture, getting these kids abducted to porn and all this other stupid nonsense that is just destroying and devastating and decimating families today. 
They've been telling people, oh, yeah, you got to do it. The more you do it, the better life will be and you'll have a greater sex life. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's healthy for you to get in touch with your body. Now we just had a recent study that came out last week. It was on Fox News. You probably can still find it on foxnews.com showing a, a, a significant increase in prostate cancer to guys who masturbate. Now that's a little different story than we've been hearing for the last 30 years, right? You know, oh, it's good for you. It's healthy. If you don't, you're going to die. Ah! I'm telling you, this lust-driven, sicko culture in which we live, these people have lost their minds. I wonder, what, 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 what are you going to do? Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Amen. No one has ever died from lack of ejaculation for crying out loud. We've lost our minds in this country. All right. Anyway, all the, now this is just one. There's others, others. I could back up and show. There's other really gross stuff like this throughout all here. These guys had rules about everything, every part of life. It is amazing, and God is doing all this to set up a whole new culture of people that nothing else is like it. And and the reality is, now check this out. When when we read the Gospels, and you know how you read how. The people were so into exactly what you touch and exactly what you eat. And Jesus would like eat grains of corn and they'd all come, you know, uh, with unwashed hands or something. They'd all go psycho and crazy. Remember that? You read in the Gospels how the Pharisees and, and, and stuff like that. And Jesus kind of messed with them because he kind of broke the rules a little bit. And, and you think, why were these people so crazy? Because of this! They were following, for thousands of years, they're following this information. They are living the most, they truly believed that anything that wasn't properly clean would corrupt you before God. Now that wasn't really the point of this. God was just trying to set up a nation that was so different from any other nation in in, in life on the earth. And really as a type and shadow of showing how sin can touch us and pollute us in so many different ways. But this is why they struggled so much with this. This is why the New Testament church, at the beginning they were all Jewish, and as soon as they started letting non-Jews become Christians, and they didn't have to follow all these rules, they all had a fit. You remember when we read the book of Acts? These people went psycho crazy? Well, they had been studying this all their lives. All their lives. And I'm just giving you little pieces of it. And all of a sudden, Christianity comes along and says, we can know God. Great. We want to know God. They were all for that. Jesus can be the Son of God. They even accepted that, if you remember. They didn't have so much a problem with Jesus being the Son of God. A lot of people say, Jews didn't accept Christianity because they couldn't accept Jesus as the Son of God. Not true. That didn't make them mad. What made them mad is, and then they said, and we can just serve God and we don't have to follow all these rules. That pushed them over the edge. They couldn't handle it. They believed we have to, they couldn't let go of this. As, as, as oppressive as this was, by the way, this is... Pretty detailed. Read it on your own time. It'll blow your mind. This is hard living. This is like hard, life isn't hard enough, and you got to worry about who touched what when someone's already had such such than the other. Yikes! Makes life very very difficult. But they held on to it, even to this day. Very very uh, conservative Hasidic Jews. I mean, you talk about that's where you get the phrase kosher and unkosher. Unkosher means unclean. Kosher. If they if they don't cook their food just right. They won't have anything to do with it. If they're on a grill, and if the grill has been touched by a piece of unclean meat, they won't have any, they won't eat. They have to take that, and it's got to be processed and pure. I said, why are they, why, isn't that kind of ridiculous? Not when you read this. This is where they get it all from, okay? The good news for us 
as we can have relationship with God without all the rules. Paul argued the reason for those rules was to bring a nation to where Christ could come out of, out of a wicked, wicked, wicked world, which we're going to see reflected here in just a little bit more, okay? Um, so anyway, more rules, rules, don't eat this, don't drink that, don't, don't eat blood. I'm good with that, no problem there. Um, uh, the sex chapter, chapter 18. Don't have sex with this. Don't have sex with that. Don't have sex, 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 sex. And the whole thing telling you who not to have sex with. You think it would have been just easier just to say, just have sex with your wife. And you just saved a lot of space. But they went through all the stuff you're not supposed to have sex with. Uh, let's pick up part of this. Again, not to gross you out, but it's going to get gross. All right? <laughs> the church, we're going to have to put R-rated signs on church. Just when you read the Bible here. Uh Leviticus 18, chapter 20. In this whole list, we'll pick it up there. You can read the rest of it if you want. Uh, Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. Okay. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Moloch or Moloch or however you want to say it. Who's that? That's one of the big uh, gods at the time. Very uh, prevalent throughout that that culture. These nations like in Canaan and stuff like that where they were going to go and Egypt and all this. These guys would worship these different gods. Moloch was one of these biggies and what they would do is they would take their children and they would offer sacrifices they would kill the child human sacrifices uh, sexual perversions the reason why this is important and we're going to point this out in just a second is because they're about to go into well not about to they're eventually going to go into the land of Canaan into the promised land and they're going to take it over and they are going to kill everybody and in some cases, everything. I mean, when you, when you first read it without the context, you think, that is so weird. Why was God doing it? You have to understand, the people that were getting hammered by these people that God was with, the Jews, when he sent them in there, these people were so wicked, so vile, so disgusting. They had offended God in every conceivable way. We're going to read a few of them in just a second here. That God brought judgment on them. And when they came through and cleaned house, this was the hand of God coming through and the judgment of God came down and just wiped them out. These weren't just, you know, people from Illinois visiting, you know. Yeah, let's go kill Illinois people because we want to take over some land over there. This is like seriously, seriously perverse nations. I think at a scale, quite frankly, I don't think any of us in, in sitting here could really comprehend. Every once in a while... Um, you get a picture of, you'll get, a, you'll get a chance to see something as it was depicted in a documentary or something. It will, it would make a normal person vomit. It was unbelievable. The cultures, what these people were into. Pagans, heathens. And not because they just didn't believe in the Lord and worship idols. They were like off the charts in outrageous behavior. So when he tells them, don't you give your children to be sacrificed to Moloch. You must... For you must not profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. Talking about homosexuality. Again, people are real quick to just point, pull that scripture up. But there's lots of them. It wasn't like they were just picking on homosexuals. They are picking on everybody. There are rules about everything. But anybody who tells you the Bible doesn't say anything against homosexuality is delusional and is on drugs. It is clear as a bell. And there's lots of places. And this is one of them. One of the many. Do not lie with a man. Don't have sex with a man as one would have sex with a woman. That is detestable. Do not have sexual relations with an animal and defile yourself with it. And a woman must not present herself to an animal to have sexual relationships with it. That is a perversion. Why is he even saying this? Because that's what the nations around him 
them did all the time. And they would actually do it in, in forms of worship to their gods. Six, 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 seven. Do not defile, defile yourselves. Verse 24. Check it out. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways. And we just skipped over a bunch of them, but I just picked it up at verse 20. Because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. This is what they're doing. All the people are not to have sex with cousins and sisters and mothers. I mean, incest, like you can't believe all the rules. We just skipped over a lot of that. You can read it on your own time. Don't do this. This is how these nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sins. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. He's speaking in a prophetic sense. The land's going to puke this thing out. What these people have done has so been so repulsive to God and he's going to send them in and he's going to clean it, clean it out and then the Jews are going to take over the land but you must keep my decrees and my laws the native born and the aliens meaning you know people that weren't not from outer space just <laughs> you get it okay aliens living amongst you must not do any of these detestable things for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you And the land became defiled. This is what they have been doing. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomit out the nations that were before you. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came. And do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. Anyway, as you look at that, it just puts into context why. The judgment of God came so hard. It wasn't about just killing people so they could have the land. Which is what some people, you know, point out. What was Old Testament? That's horrible. It killed all those people just to take the land. It wasn't about taking the land. It was about the judgment of God on these people. All right, now we got more rules. Yeesh. Um. <laughs> it never ends. It's just amazing. You know, all the punishments, what to do. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to read them. You read them. Very strange. That's in chapter 20. Uh, tra- chapter 21, all the rules for the priests. All right. Uh, what will be acceptable sacrifices? What to do on the Sabbath? How to handle the Passover? The first fruits? Uh, all the different trump- uh, All the different... Uh, uh, feasts and stuff that they celebrated. Rules, 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 rules. Oil and bread set before the Lord. How that's supposed to be do? What do you do if someone, uh, you know, does this, that, and the other? In chapter 24, verse 10, we read the story of someone who uh, had cursed and how they took him and, and stoned him to death. I mean, this was the first time this had been acted out. Whoa, it stopped cussing very, very quickly. And that's the end of Leviticus. Wasn't that fast? You can, again, you can read it if you want. It, it's not bad to read it. It's kind of interesting. Some of it will be pretty confusing. Uh, but uh, very, very strict rules. Okay, then we get to the book of Numbers. Now, the book of Numbers, why is it called Numbers? Because it's about counting. I'm pretty smart, aren't I? Uh, and it's about taking uh, a census and counting all the people and all these people and da 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 and putting all all the stuff was done. Blah 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 blah. Okay, so now um, chapter five in in, in in the book of Numbers. 
Um, the Lord says to Moses, command the Israelites to send away any from the camp, anyone who has an infectious skin disease or a discharge of any kind or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. You know, if you just touched a dead body, you had to get away and be clean and stuff like that. Again, some of it seems very, very weird, but look at the, the, the cleanliness that they had at this point. These people weren't having problems with the diseases. Uh, send away male and female alike, send them outside the camp so they will not defile the camp where I will dwell among them. And the Israelites did this and they sent them outside the camp just as the Lord had instructed. So again, really setting up a whole different way of doing things. Um, more rules. More counting. Counting and rules. Rules about counting. Counting the rules. Amazing. All right, so now, now we're at chapter 11. All this, and I don't know what the time frame here is, is you know, just <laughs> reading it would take forever. But this, again, these are the laws that Moses gave. We're talking way beyond Ten Commandments here. You're getting that, right? This is like yikes stuff. So he comes down and giving people all these instructions. I don't know who's writing all this stuff down and who's keeping track of all this stuff. But Ho Chi Mama, there's a lot of, lot of rules about everything. And if you don't do it quite right, especially when you get around worshiping the Lord, you could get fried. So, they got all this, da 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 da. Then we see in chapter 11. Now, a little respite here from the counting and the rules and rules about counting and whatnot. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. What are we talking about? Remember, these people were whiners and complainers off of the charts. Nobody in the history of mankind has ever whined or complained more than these people. And they would complain against God. You know, God is doing all these incredible things and you're seeing God do this and miracles and da 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 and you're going to sit and whine about God? Hello? I would think, let's not dig him off. Wouldn't you think? I mean, people are dying and stuff. Don't dig him off. All these people say, well, ah, we're out here in a stupid desert. I hate out in the desert. It's hot and I'm getting a sunburn. What the heck are we doing out here anyway? And they were always saying, oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. These are the people for 430 years cried out to God, deliver us from Egypt. Deliver us from Egypt. God answers their prayers. And they're going, I want to go back to Egypt. And I just hacked God off. I can certainly understand. So anyway, God's just, he's ticked and he just sends fire outside the camp. People, some of them are getting toasted on the edges there. And, uh, and when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and then the fire died down. So the place was called Taberah because the fire from the Lord had burned among the people. The word Taberah means burning. All right, now, <laughs> the next whining kicks in. Then the rabble with them began to crave other food. Now remember, God is providing. Again, I don't know how long this has been. But they don't have to do anything. Nobody has to work. They're all taken care of. Everybody's healthy. It's amazing. They get up every morning and there's this food. They just pick off the ground and eat. Well, at some point they start whining that, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of eating this food. Again, let's not tick off God, who you think would be in their mind. But they start whining about the food. And, and, the, and again, the Israelites started wailing <laughs> if only we had meat to eat why can't we eat meat if there was an Arby's or something around here 
bacon is bread. Oh, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Oh, Egypt. Beautiful Egypt. Oh, I just remember. Do you remember the fish we had? Oh, it was fabulous. Never mind, they were slaves and miserable. Oh, and we had cucumbers. Oh, cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. <laughs> and now we've lost our appetite. What these things can do. I could use that problem. We never see anything but this manna. Now remember what an insult. God is giving this to them. And they are just whining that we had it better back in Egypt. Well, the manna was like coriander. See, he describes it again. He's already done this at least once, if not a couple of times. It looked like resin. The people went out to gathering it and then ground it into a uh, a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. And they cooked it in a pot and made it into cakes. And it tasted something like olive oil. I think another place to talk had a little bit of a honey taste to it, and what one of the descriptions we had. But it was it's nice stuff, but they got tired of it. Uh, when the dew settled on the camp at night, the man also came down. So it just boom would appear, and they would get all this food. Well, Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance to his tent. Now check this out: everybody, everywhere, is wailing and crying for a hamburger. Well, Moses, he can't take it anymore. He is, he's getting so frazzled. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. And you can imagine God is getting ticked at these guys. They never stopped. They would never stop. And then Moses is so overwhelmed with this. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I gotten into? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me. Why did I get stuck with all these people? Is what he's saying. Did I conceive all these people? I had nothing to do with it. Did I give birth? No. Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their fathers? Why am I doing this? Where can I get meat for all these people? I got no meat. And they keep wailing to me. Give us meat. Everybody. Everybody. He's walking every tent. <laughs> I want a burger. He says, I, 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 I can't do this anymore. I cannot carry all these people by myself. These people are killing me. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, kill me right now, please. Because they're making me crazy. Kind of the feeling of anybody with teenagers, I think. Anyway, uh, if I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own, and do not let me face my own ruin, then the Lord said to Moses, "Bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of the meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them." So God is now saying, "Okay." I realize this is more than you can handle. I'm going to start anointing some of these other guys to help you carry the burden. Okay, really, no one guy, not you know, even in a church, no one guy can do this and minister to everybody. There's no way I can do it. I can't imagine a guy like this trying to minister to a million plus, who knows how many, by the time he added all the kids, it's a people. So he 
starts to anoint some of these other guys and, and they will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. And tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. I want to eat meat. We were better off in Egypt. Well, now the Lord will give you meat. And you will eat it. And you will not eat it just for one day. Or two days. Or five, ten, or twenty days. But I'm going to give you a whole month of meat. Until it comes out of your nostrils. And you hate it. Because you've rejected the Lord who's among you and you've wailed before him. Why did we ever leave Egypt? He's about to meet these people big time. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. So, so Moses is freaking out, okay? So God says, get these other guys. I'm going to anoint them. I'm going to help you out. So I'll deal with your problem. Okay, quit freaking out. It'll be fine. Shut up. All right? Now go tell the people. They're going to have meat up to their eyeballs. And then Moses goes, <laughs> Why are you telling them that? Where am I going to get any meat from? Would they have enough if the flocks and herds were slaughtered for them for a whole month? If we killed everything, there's not enough meat for a whole month. Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? It's not enough meat for the whole month. And the Lord looks at Moses and says, is the Lord's arm too short? In other words, am I not strong enough to pull this off? By now, it's amazing how they would question God. Apparently God at this point can do anything he wants. You would think that picture would be pretty clear. You will now see whether or not I will, what I say will come true. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought the 70 elders and had them stand in the tent. The Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took the spirit that was on them and put the spirit on the 70 elders when the Spirit rested on them, they began to prophesy. They prophesied under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaking the words of God. Uh, but they did not do so again. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. and I'm not sure these guys that I've read really knew what it meant. Uh, like maybe that was a one-time deal. Anyway, uh, however, two of the men, whose names were El- Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So here all these guys come, the 70 elders come in, and God hits them and anoints them for this job. The first thing, they just start prophesying, speaking the words of God. Apparently it was a one-time deal for them. But then there's these other guys who are also elders, but not part of the 70. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hits them, and they're walking out prophesying, speaking the words of God. Pretty cool stuff, huh? So anyway, um, Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them! Stop them! Who are those two guys? They shouldn't be prophesying! That's just for you guys in the inner circle! And I love Moses' response. He says, are you jealous for my sake? Don't worry about me. He says, I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Isn't that cool? He says, man, don't worry, man. There's a bunch of other people prophesying. Let them prophesy. Spirit of God's going to splash on everybody. Let God splash on everybody. God's going to anoint different people for different things. Let Him anoint them. And the beautiful thing about it is, uh, we will, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm sure we won't stay there this long, but at some point we'll get into the Old Testament where uh, we have the prophet 
who speaks and says, I foresee a time when the Spirit of God will fall on everybody. And your sons and your daughters will speak the words of God. They will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Spirit of God's going to fall on everybody. Whoa. When is that going to happen? Well, it happened on the day of Pentecost. It was the fulfillment. The beautiful thing about the church is the Spirit of God no longer just rests on me, the guy in charge. The Spirit of God just doesn't rest on the pastors. Okay? And throughout Christianity, we seem to have this desire to go back to, well, it's the pastors and the priests and they're they're the holy ones anointed by god and, and we have to go to them and they'll talk to god for us and 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 and, and there, there's us and then there's these holy men no that is a perverted view of christianity that's more of a reflection back of old testament worship true christianity says god will speak to anybody god will use anybody you know there's gifts there's the gifts of pastor evangelist prophet teachers all these different things the bible talks about but the spirit of god can move in your life he can empower you you can actually hear god yourself you can actually read the bible and god will speak to you you don't need me to be there every moment god will fall on everybody of faith which is a fabulous thing the truth of the matter is we're supposed to be an entire nation. People that are born again are supposed to be a nation of priests and kings walking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're supposed to be. We've fallen from that for a long time and it's time the church has got to get back to that place. But this is how they changed the world in such a short amount of time. That New Testament church, everybody went everywhere and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just Paul when he'd show up and Peter would show up and, you know, just these special guys. I mean, it was cool when they did. But this stuff was going everywhere. Complete nitwits would show up and pray and God would do miracles. People who didn't know nothing about nothing would come and God would move and, and use them to touch people's lives. And it changed the world. It's, it's so cool. I just love it. Ah, we need to get back to more of that power of God in our lives. Okay, we will pick it up there next week. And then we'll see how God gave them all the meat that they wanted. More than they wanted, actually. Because <laughs> God was really ticked off. Uh, and then we'll read how God, how Miriam and Aaron ticked off God. And then we'll read how everybody ticked off God. And then how the people rebelled against God and ticked off God. And how Corin and Dathan and Abraham ticked off God. And, you know, these, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd have been done with the cow. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know what these people's problems were. But then, then we're going to find out. God literally brings them. Now, after getting them all set and giving all the rules, and this is how we're going to go forth as a nation. He's creating a new nation in a matter of months. It's, a, it's an amazing thing what happened to this nation. They were just a bunch of slaves. Creates this nation and then he brings them to the land of Canaan to go in, kick butt, and take over. And then we're going to see what happens. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, we're done for tonight. Let's uh, have our ushers come forward and we will take our evening offering. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> There's so many lessons to be learned in this. One thing is, man, you know, trust God, his blessings, his ability to change. Don't lose heart. Don't be grumbling against the Lord and freaking out. Say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Indeed, I don't. 
I know sometimes we go through really hard, trying, challenging times. We've all gone through really hard, challenging, tough times. But those aren't times to lose heart. Those are times to get close to God and let Him do His thing and pull you through and establish His love and His righteousness in your heart just like He did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wants to spread this around to everybody if we'll just believe Him and not grumble against Him. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, your faithfulness. We thank you for the time of sharing tonight. We pray that you will bless this offering and those who give. Lord, shine your grace upon your people. Help them to prosper in the midst of an unprosperous nation. Help them to move forward when everybody else is moving back. Help them to have increase when everybody else's stuff is shrinking. God, help us to be connected with your economy and not to put our trust in the economy of this world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.